Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories. For nearly five centuries, the ghost of the weeping woman has been spotted near bodies of water all across Mexico and the southwest United States. Her cries can be heard at night as she searches for her children who lay drowned beneath the waters. This is episode number 33 of Hometown Ghost Stories, La Llorona, The Curse of the Weeping Woman. Mexico City, 1977. 11-year-old Clara Garcia and her best friend Sofia walked along the bank of Lake Texcoco as they did every evening on their way home from after-school swim practice. Clara considered herself an above-average swimmer, but Sofia was the best. She won every competition and planned to win an Olympic gold medal when she was old enough to compete. As they walked along, the dusk sky turned to night since the sun sets earlier that time of year. The lake was typically busy with people, but on this evening, there was nobody. Clara had an uneasy feeling, but Sophia skipped along without a care in the world. Clara fell a few paces behind her friend and called to her to wait up. She quickened her pace, partially to close the gap, and partially because she felt the presence of somebody behind her, but was too scared to look. She looked anyways. Nothing. She ran straight into Sophia, who had stopped suddenly. Did you hear that? Sophia asked. Clara listened. She heard the faint sound of a woman crying somewhere in the darkness behind them. Let's go, urged Clara. But Sophia was curious and kind-hearted, so she headed in the direction of the sound. Clara was uneasy, but reluctantly followed her friend. The crying got louder as they got closer, and out of the darkness, they saw the figure of a woman with long black hair and a white dress. She was covering her face with her hands, and it was clear she was crying. Sophia called to her, asking if she was okay. The woman cried, My children, I can't find my babies. Clara took a step back, feeling something wasn't right. The woman's dress was tattered and dripping wet. Her hair, too, and her skin looked pale and gray. I'll help you find them, Sophia declared. Clara froze, unable to speak. Sophia skipped off, calling out to the missing children. The woman dropped her hands from her face, revealing pale, expressionless eyes as she turned and followed Sophia into the darkness. Clara, finally able to shake herself free from her temporary state of paralysis, took a few quick strides in the direction Sophia and the strange woman headed, but couldn't find them. She called Sophia's name two or three times, but when no answer came, Clara turned around and ran all the way home. She told her parents what happened, but they brushed the incident off. The next day, Sophia wasn't at school. She was reported missing that afternoon. Her body was found three days later at the bottom of the lake. Her death was ruled an accidental drowning, but Clara didn't believe it. No chance an expert swimmer like Sophia would drown in the shallow section of the lake she was found in. She knew who was really to blame. It was the weeping woman, La Llorona. I'm Dave Wilkins, and this 
is Hometown Ghost Stories, Mexico City. Mexico City, known as Tenochtitlan at the time, was founded in 1325 AD by the Mexicans. During the Aztec period, Mexico City was initially built over a lake, the Lago de Texcoco. The Aztecs built an artificial island by dumping soil into the lagoon. The Aztecs were fierce warriors, who eventually dominated the other tribes throughout the region. When Spanish explorer Hernán Cortés made it clear in 1519 that he intended to conquer the area, many local chieftains seized the opportunity to liberate themselves from Aztec rule and joined the army. Aztec leader Montezuma believed Cortés was the god Quetzalcoatl, whose return had been prophesied. He brought Cortés to the Aztec pyramid of Tenochtitlan to impress him, but the Spaniard was disgusted. The first thing he noticed was the disgusting smell of rotting flesh. As his eyes adjusted to the dark, he noticed the rust-colored bloodstains on the wall. Montezuma explained that the temple was where they sacrificed men and women to the Aztec god of war and children to what the Spanish priests would later refer to as the demons Totec and Siwakwadl, Aztec gods of water and fertility. Cortes ordered that the emperor be placed under house arrest intending to use him to gain leverage with the Aztecs. In 1520, Cortés and his troops conquered Tenochtitlan. The Spanish then built the Ciudad de México on the ruins of the once great city. Many believe the city to be the origin of the country's most legendary ghost, La Llorona. For nearly five centuries, the ghost of the weeping woman has been spotted in a white dress or heard crying for her lost babies. The sightings occur all over Mexico, and as far north as places including New Orleans, San Antonio, El Paso, Santa Fe, and Albuquerque. The story has many different possible origins, but the most likely occurred in Mexico City, roughly two decades after the fall of the Aztec Empire. Mexico City, circa 1540. Don Nuno de Montes Claros was attending a party at the home of one of his fellow conquistadors when he caught eye of one of the servant women. There were many servants working at the event, but he found himself captivated by the beauty of this one in particular. He watched her for most of the evening, occasionally making eye contact. Later in the night, when nobody was watching, Don Nuno snuck aside to where she was replacing a wine cask and struck up a conversation. He learned her name was Maria, and she had been an Aztec princess. But after the Spanish toppled the Aztec Empire, she was forced to change her name to Luisa. They also forced her to denounce her gods and her religion, and was now non-distinguished from common peasants. Don Nuno was sympathetic, despite the fact that he had played a part in the events that led to her fate. He left the party that night and couldn't get Luisa off his mind. He made excuses to visit the home where she worked, and before long, the two were in love. He begged her to quit her job, promising her she could live in one of his many homes in the city. She refused, wanting to be married, but ended up relenting when she found out she was pregnant with his child. He moved her into one of his houses, but made no mention of marriage. Don Nuno didn't need to explain. Luisa understood 
that someone of his stature wouldn't be able to marry someone of her low status without public scorn, but she still held out hope. Don Nuno slowly began introducing her to his wealthy friends, and to his surprise, they all seemed to like her. Nobody seemed to care that she was a peasant, giving Luisa even more hope of a marriage. But years passed on, and she gave birth to another child, and yet he still showed no intent to marry her. He tried to convince her that what they had was perfect the way it was. The truth was that his family inheritance was contingent on him marrying a woman of high stature. And that day came when Don Nuno announced his betrothal to a young countess. Luisa begged him to stay with her, but he refused. He promised her nothing would change. He said it was just a formality and that she could stay in her house. He would send her money and visit frequently, but Luisa was adamant. She accused him of greed and told him he didn't care about his children. This led to a heated argument, and Don Nuno stormed out. He went through with the marriage to the Countess, effectively making him Count Nuno. He broke his promise to Luisa. He didn't visit. He didn't send her money. And he had his guards forcibly remove her and the children from his property. She was forced to live in the streets and was unable to keep her children properly fed. Days went by and the children would cry in agony due to their hunger. Luisa was unable to sleep, racked with the guilt she felt for being unable to provide for her young. She decided that she couldn't watch them starve to death. She took them to a nearby lake, where she one at a time held their heads underwater until the bubbles stopped emerging. Haunted by the look of horror in their eyes as they realized what the person they loved and trusted most in the world was doing to them. People took notice of what was happening and alerted the authorities, who quickly pulled the weeping woman from the shallow water and placed her in shackles. Luisa was thrown in a prison cell, set to stand trial for her crime. Her cries echoed through the stone halls non-stop until that day came. At the trial, Count Nuno recognized Luisa and ordered her to be hanged immediately. On the gallows, she pointed at the Count, calling on Siwakawadal to curse him forever. Then she cried out for her children until the rope around her neck claimed her last breath. Even in her death, Don Nuno rejected her. He ordered her body to hang from the gibbet for hours as an example, and then had her tossed in a pauper's grave. He slept well that night, showing no compassion for his former lover and their children, but that tranquility would be short-lived. The next night, he lay in bed awake. The window he kept open to let in the night air also let in the distant sound of a woman wailing in the distance. As the hours went on, the cries got louder, until it sounded as if they were right outside his window. He got up to see who was outside crying, but when he looked out, nobody was there. This occurrence would repeat every night. One evening, Count Nuno was walking with his wife near the lake when the crying started. He looked at his wife to ask her if she had heard it. She did. Then they both saw a woman waiting in the shallow water in a white dress. The crying seemed to be coming from her. That's when she turned to face them, and Count Nuno gasped. Luisa, he exclaimed. The desperate look on the woman's face changed to an expression of rage, and her cries turned to a scream. The countess grabbed her husband by the arm and pulled him away toward the direction of their home. That night, Count Nuno paced back and forth in his bedchamber, 
the wailing from outside the window persisting all night long. The next morning, his wife, who had slept in a different room due to his maddening behavior, found him in the bedchamber, hanging from the rafters. Legend has it, Luisa was met by Siwakawadl, who told her she couldn't cross into the afterlife without her children, so her spirit is forced to remain behind searching for the lost souls of her children, murdered and lying beneath the waters. It is believed that she wanders around bodies of water, crying and weeping. It's believed that she gets so desperate that she will try to lure other children into the water to drown them and attempt to present them to Siwakawadl as her own in order to pass on. In the weeks following the death of Count Nuno, people claimed to hear disembodied wails around Lake Texcoco. Children started going missing, and locals began blaming the weeping woman that had been spotted in the area. And so began the legend of La Llorona. A 20-year-old woman recently shared her story. I was a troubled child, and making friends was always difficult. I was bad about wandering off, and I would always find an excuse to be awake after my bedtime. In short, I was a child that all of the stories were geared towards. It was one particular night that I'd been especially bad, to the point where I'd already been spanked. My mother sent me to bed early, and there were no goodnight kisses to be received. So I did what any ten-year-old girl would do, knowing that no parents would be coming to check up on me. I got out of bed and began to play and make a mess. I knew it must be laid out, and that was far beyond my bedtime. I couldn't be sure of the exact time, but I could hear my father snoring loudly, and that was enough for me to know how late it was. In fact, it was probably because of the snoring that I didn't hear her cries until it was too late for me to run to my bed and pretend to be sleeping. It started low, a noise I was sure that I must be imagining because of all the stories my grandmother told me. When it got louder and closer to my room, I knew it had to be real, though. So I climbed into my bed as I heard scratching on my door, and a voice so sad, so desperate, I began to cry. In her wailing tones, she cried out, Mis hijos, mis hijos, estás aquí. My children, my children, are you here? At this point, I was shaking, my eyes locked onto my bedroom door as she cried out again, saying this time, Por favor, vuelve a mí. Mama es mucho lo. Please come back to me. Mama is so sorry. I was crying and screaming for my parents as my door slowly opened and she let out another mournful cry. Lo siento, mis babies. Mama lo siente. I'm sorry, my babies. Mama is sorry. She pushed open the door and there she was, in her pure white dress, her long black hair hanging over her face, pale hands covering her eyes. She slowly looked up. Her brown eyes were bloodshot. Her spirit had been crying for so long, there were now tears of blood. I let out an ear-piercing scream as she said, You have been bad. It's time to come home. And that's the moment she came running at me. Her arms reached out for me as I shoved my tiny body into a corner, screaming at the top of my lungs. And my father, a true six-foot-four bear of a man, came barreling into my room, screaming at her. Leave her alone. You will not steal another person that I love. La Llorona turned to him, fury in her eyes with a decaying finger pointed towards my father. She screamed, You will die for stealing my children. My father collapsed, clutching his already bad heart, and as he convulsed on my bedroom floor, La Llorona slowly vanished while cackling and sobbing. By the time I woke my mom and the ambulance had arrived, my dad had already passed. It has always broken my heart knowing that he gave his life to save mine. It wasn't until years later, when I was finishing my junior year of high school, that I found out what my dad meant by stealing someone else that he loved. 
My dad's mother was on her deathbed, and she was telling me the story of her life, including the hidden fact that my dad's brother didn't really die at age six. He was actually stolen. My father insisted for most of his remaining childhood that La Llorona had stolen his brother. My grandmother believed him, but now I knew the truth of my father's preparedness when the wailing woman stole into my bedroom. The curse has lived on for centuries, each generation with their own stories and encounters with the weeping woman. She's heard crying near bodies of water. She's seen standing in city streets. She's blamed for missing or drowned children. You've seen her portrayed in movies. You've heard her referenced in songs. You may have even heard her cries at night. You may not have thought anything of it, but if you hear the distant sound of weeping near a lake or a river, you may be hearing the sound of a tormented soul crying out for her drowned children lying beneath the waters forever. What's up, folks? Welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 33, La Llorona, which is Mexico City, Mexico, as well as other cities. I'm here. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm here with Rob Coakley. What's up? What the hell, Rob? I, I did it because I knew it was going to upset Dave. For those audio listeners, Rob is wearing uh, some Macho Man Randy Savage style glasses. We voted before the show that he wasn't allowed to wear them, and here he is wearing his... And here I am wearing them. It's pretty impressive. Looks like uh, like if you can't visualize what that looks like, it's like when you see the ninety-year-old guy driving and he's got those big boxy sunglasses. That's exactly Which, what Rob looks like. I, I literally Rob. look like the coolest person that's ever existed. Rob usually looks like on. a ni- usually looks like a ninety-year-old guy driving, anyways. But no, true. Now he's got the sunglasses to match. Yeah, and I can see everything. So cool. You guys, you guys have derailed the show. <laughs> oh, it, does, it usually doesn't take this long, so that's a, that's a new record for us. I want to welcome everybody that's hanging out in the live chat. We've had a, a very busy one. So Captain McSlugs, King Casher, uh, we have uh, Selchuk is here. Soph is here. Jessica, thank you for hanging out. Uh, was Jessica the one that was watching with the 10-month-old? Yes. That's too scary for the 10-month-old. Um, this was a scary episode. There was a lot of... I didn't expect it to be that scary based on legend and you found a way to make this very creepy. So kudos to you, Dave, for that. Thanks. I actually find the, the real story to be a very, very scary one. <clears throat> when, uh, when you put everything together and look at everything, I thought this I, was one of the more scary ghost stories. Yeah. I didn't expect it to be overly scary just based on like all the different tellings that I've heard, but the way that you presented it and actually, dove deep into it i've never heard it i've never heard a deep dive on it like that so yeah. thank you thank you i had never heard of the story before um she reminded me of the girl from like the ring with the uh white dress i wonder if the girl from the ring was kind of loosely based off the look of this legendary ghost it's definitely possible i think definitely want to thank seth because uh, i had reached out to him last week and i said seth i need a specific song i want in a, a mexican acoustic style 
melancholy song. He's like, I'll get it to you tomorrow. And he did. And it was perfect. And that was the acoustic track that you guys heard during the, um, the origin story there. Yes. So, yeah. Big thanks. Came out, uh, awesome. Come on, perfect. He always comes through. Tied it together. Great. Um, pull back up that comment <laughs> from Jessica. She said, my grandma used to threaten us that Lala, I can't say the words. La yep. Yarona would come get us if we were bad. And if you like start researching this particular legend or ghost story, you see a lot of that. Like it's, it's used as a threat a ton in, you know, the cultures surrounding it, which is, which is not like out of the question. Cause we hear that with other stuff like that involve ghosts and goblins and all that fun stuff. It reminds me a little, of bit of, um, a little bit of Krampus. Or Krampus was snatching up the bad kids, right? I think. Yeah, they, yeah it's one of those stories that's oh, just yeah, the legend. Yeah. Gets, yeah, exactly. The legend gets so big that parents use it uh, throughout different cultures to uh, scare their basically scare their kids into behaving. And that's what uh, I actually think that that is kind of what made this story so big, uh, or this legend so big, is uh, the amount of people using it for that exact purpose. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the ghost stories that you hear about this, and I think you only touched on a couple of them, but there is a lot. Uh, most people, it starts with a story of them doing something that they weren't uh, supposed to be doing. So there was one story with uh, this guy. It was pretty recently. Um, I don't remember what the year was, but it was, um, you know, he's still alive. But he had submitted a story um, where he had said basically he was staying up past his bedtime and he was watching Jay Leno. Um, and he had kind of drifted off to sleep on the couch and he woke up around, I think it was like three or three thirty in the morning or something to the wailing outside. And, um, it just kept getting louder and louder. And then it sounded like it was almost in the room with him. And he ran upstairs to wake up his mother and his mother woke up and she basically was like, you were dreaming, go back to bed. And that's when it stopped. It didn't stop until he woke up his mother. And basically that was, uh, he had assumed that I'd saved him. And then I think it was 10 years later, he was working at a warehouse or something. And um, he was relatively new on the job. He went outside to go throw some trash in the dumpster or something. And his fellow employees decided to pull a little prank on him and they locked the door. And then uh, while he was outside, he started to hear that uh, the crying again and it just kept getting louder and louder. So he's like pounding on the door and they're like, they're like, Oh, what are you too scared? And he's like, he's like, let me in, let me in, let me in. They're like, why are you screaming? He's like, I'm not. Let me in, let me in, let me in. And then they eventually opened the door and they could hear the screaming as well. They're like, what is that? And he's like, that's like or whatever. And um, they thought he was uh, cursed. So that's terrifying. Yeah, he had experienced it like another 10 years later. So that was one of them. But again, it started with him, I, I guess, sort of misbehaving, but definitely staying up past his bedtime, if you will. Yeah. And that last story that I told in the opening, um, part was um somebody's witness account that i got from reddit um there was a it was actually submitted to the no sleep forum and reddit by a username dino wolf dog so i want to make sure she gets credit for that <clears throat> story because that was a crazy story too and it's similar she's saying it started off by saying that she was misbehaving and then the, you know the crying started um so that was that's just a really a common reoccurring story that you hear over and over I, I do I do like that in terms of the legend that a lot there's a lot of different interpretations of the legend, but a lot of the characteristics stay the same. You have the weeping woman, you have the water, you have the children. Like a lot of that is all within whatever version you hear of this story. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's got this, this is interesting because there's a lot of different um, origin stories. And I picked one that isn't one of the most mainstream ones. Um, the most mainstream or most common um, origin story that you hear is um, you have a beautiful peasant named Maria. She meets a wealthy rancher. Uh, they fall in love. They get married. They have kids. Then the rancher leaves Maria for a younger woman. And Maria becomes vengeful and murders the children with a dagger and then commits suicide. Uh, and that's how you get um, the line of your own a ghost. And that's that one's the most common one. Um, the one I went with is um, I, it was uh, it was from an article, a possible historical basis for La Llorona legend by George A. Argentino. And to me, I thought that that the one with Luisa and Don Nuno makes a lot more sense. It's a lot more believable for me because I just I can't see a mother murdering her children over jealous rage of um, a husband. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you, you get like, obviously you hear stories all the, not all the time, but you know, you get the mother who murders her children, but it's never because she's jealous of an ex-boyfriend or something. You know what I mean? Or a husband cheating. Uh, so that to me is not believable. I think that the mercy killing because her children were starving is, a, is definitely a more believable story. And that's why I rolled with that one instead of the more common. Yeah, there's quite a few. So the, um, one of the more common ones, I mean, I hadn't heard that one that uh, you had explained before where she stabbed the knife. It, it, as far as I know, all the, all the versions of it that I've heard dealt with a body of water, whether she held their head under or threw them in the river and they drifted downstream and she went out there to chase him and never found the one him. I was The one I was talking about was she murdered them and then threw their bodies in the river and then oh, drowned herself. Oh, okay. Maybe I missed that part. Um but there, so there, there are a few. Most of them revolve around him being a shitty husband or father. So whether it was illegitimate children, but there was another version of the story where they did get married, and he just basically was it. He was a bad husband, but a pretty good father. And uh, I mean, pretty good father is used loosely because he would disappear for days at a time. Then he would disappear for weeks to months at a time, and just come back and he would play with the kids, but he would ignore the wife. And she was obviously getting very angry. And then there was one point where uh, she had the kids down by a river and um, he rolled up uh, on like a horse and buggy or whatever with his new girlfriend. And she's like, what the hell? And he got out, acknowledged the kids. It was like, hey, guys, boom, you know, tousled their hair and play with them a little bit. Never even spoke a word to her, got back in and uh, rode off with his new girlfriend. And then the uh, the mother she went into like a blind rage and she just whipped the kids into the river. And, uh, that was the end of them. Yeah. I don't buy that story. I just, like I said, you were, you were away, but, um, well, not to be redundant, but it, it, the, the, the mercy killing sounds more believable to me than the revenge killing. Well, it's just to go back to something you said at the beginning, I believe Jesse, it's kind of interesting that you connected this particular ghost to the girl from the ring. Because we covered what an Onrio is on Patreon. Like, that was our first history of Ghost. And that's essentially a vengeful spirit that comes back because of being slighted in some form in life. And that kind of does tie into this story. So, like, it, it does connect a little loosely, but there's enough of a connection there that that's the type of spirit that's returning. I was going to ask you that too. Is is what kind of ghost do you think this is? Like, it could be a poltergeist because it's hurting people, or it could be. I mean, this, we, we say believes, we talk around ghost and spirit, like like we said last episode, kind of synonymously. But 
Andrew says it's a Patreon Rio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most commonly, uh, La Llorona is, um, is uh, believed to be a Banshee. Oh, that makes sense, too. I don't know why I didn't think of that, but that also makes a ton of sense. Yeah, because it's the family ties, you know, the family yep. ghosts, and then the um, the wailing or screaming. Oh, yeah. That's, so that's uh, that, or also I've seen siren tossed around because from the water, calling from the water. Uh, yeah. More commonly, more commonly Banshee. Yeah. I mean, I guess I understand why the siren gets brought up, but I would never classify it as a siren. And, Apparently, I'm the end-all, be-all of mm-hmm. ghosts all of a sudden. You are the arbiter of, of ghosts. <laughs> yeah, so, but I, I would say Banshee makes a ton of sense. Banshee does, yeah. So, Banshee, traditionally an Irish um, spirit. Irish, but, yeah, so um, Irish. The Banshee is an Irish name, and the Banshee, but, I mean. But, I mean, if we just look up that. a quick definition of it, um, it's being an Irish or other Celtic folklore who is mournful, keening, or wailing, screaming uh, at night was believed to foretell death of a family member of the family of the person who heard the spirit. Uh, um, seems like it so, adds up perfectly. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely. Yeah, you get the wailing at night and everything. It says in Ireland, banshees were believed to warn only family uh, to warn only families of pure Irish descent. So that kind of adds a little, little, uh, little. Uh, well, I, I mean, if, I don't know how many you, pure Irish people were in Mexico at the time, but I'd say probably um, none. But um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, like just because the Irish are the ones who named it, how do we well, not? You know, that type of spirit. Well, is here's thing. here's the other thing: is there's a Welsh counterpart. Um, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. The Witch of uh, Ribbon or Ribbon visited only families of old Welsh stock, so it seems like. Whether it's a banshee or a ribbon or whatever, it it seems to be specifically the interpretation of the people of that country. So this could be the Mexican version. Yeah. Um, The Witch of Reuben just conjures delicious sandwiches at all times. (laughs) Screams about him in the middle of the night when she doesn't get any. (laughs) Only appears in delis. Yeah. So just just the crying at night and the warning of uh, family members' death. I mean, but the, the... way it's described with the sounds that it's making definitely seems to, uh, seems to add up here. Yeah. So I definitely. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And towards Banshee. Um, yeah. There was one other art, like possible origin story that I saw tossed around, and I looked into it because I like the story. But um, if, if you dig into it, it's actually pretty easily debunked. Um, and it's the origin story, uh, La Malinche, which is means the traitor. Um, and so it's about a woman named... Uh, her name was Malinson or Malinson, which was her Aztec name. And then when the Spanish took over, they um, they enslaved her, changed her name to Marina. And she's an actual historical figure. She was the translator for Hernan Cortez, and she also had his children. So a lot of people actually mistake this for the La Llorona story. Um, but when I was looking into it, I, I realized that their children, she didn't murder them. They just grew up and became um, prominent people in Spain. So. 
that doesn't work. Yeah, that changes a few things. Uh, Sophie mentioned this, and I actually was thinking about that during the story. She said um, she gives Fisher Cat vibes, but they don't live in Mexico. They, them not living in Mexico is a big one because I've seen some footage from Mexico where you hear her wailing in the background, and I'm like, that sounds like it could have been like a Fisher Cat. But if they don't live in the area, then that um, no. But there are there are wild cats in that area that do make that noise. Mm. So that's what a lot of them. So there, I mean, there's a million sites, of, um, you know, sightings of. La Llorona all the time, all over the place, all over Mexico, all over southern, southwestern United States. Um, and I feel like you could dismiss a lot of those to either A, women actually crying or people actually crying. You know, someone just hears that and scares them. Uh, two would be, you know, a possible some kind of a wildcat making that noise. Um, or three would be pranks. You know? Right. Yeah, you see that a lot of the footage looks like it was kind of set up. There was a couple of them that seemed authentic. <clears throat> and uh you just search on YouTube, just uh like your own sightings. And there's some some pretty creepy ones. The one uh that you showed in the episode showed kind of a transparent figure standing in the middle of the road and cars were literally driving right through her. That one was a pretty cool uh piece of footage. I don't think there was audio attached to that one, if I remember correctly. But that one um, was one real, of the real f- quick on that. If you so if you're listening to this on podcast um, in the future, which I assume most of you are, um, go check us out on YouTube and check out our videos because all of these podcasts have video portion to it, as I'm sure you have figured out by now, but you get to see cool things like that. Like you'll get that video of that. It's basically a surveillance traffic cam, not surveillance, but like a traffic camera that caught an image of the ghost, which is pretty cool. So yeah, if you are listening, come, come check us out on YouTube. Yeah, I put a lot of work in on these videos. You should go check them out. Uh, but that that video was pretty cool. And that seemed to be the only video that I really saw that showed a more translucent see-through kind of figure, which was a much more ghostly image than a lot of the other ones that I did saw, which which could have been staged. There was another one where you hear the crying, and this is one of the, one, one of the ones that I thought might have been a fisher cat and because <clears throat> it did sound a little bit more like an animal than it did like a human or a ghost, I guess, but uh, the fear out of the person filming made it seem pretty authentic because this dude was terrified. And he's just sprinting away to a point where the f- he can't even get any good footage. So if the point was to do a hoax and to run away, he did a bad job of getting it on camera or a good job if she was not being very ghostly, but he well, was horrified. I know exactly which video you're talking about, and mm-hmm. I was going to do... I was going to include it in my thing until I saw that it was, uh, the video was taken on Halloween. Ah, uh, so that changed it for me. I was like, mm, I don't think so. Are you, are you saying that ghosts can't haunt people on Halloween? It is one of the more likely. I mean, is, is that what your I was theory? Was is that the, your the video is you hear the, you hear the, um, the, the voice, the crying, wailing voice. And it's, at first you're like, Oh, that's pretty scary. If a bunch of people are out on Halloween trick or treating, that's just somebody in the woods screwing with them. That's, could have been. Yeah, I mean, that's the night to screw with it, but it's also a night where... This is the skeptic Dave I've been looking for. This is the... <laughs> I have no absolute evidence that it was somebody in the woods, but that's what it was because I'm Dave and I said so. That's the skeptic Dave I've been waiting for. It took us... How many episodes did it take us? 33 for us to get here? Here we are. All right. However, it could have been... Now, do we know that the video was uploaded on Halloween? Or do we know that it was posted on Halloween where people post scary videos on Halloween because it's a very common time to post things? That's another one. Yeah, I don't so. remember whether it was, to be fair, I don't remember. I just remember I saw that it was Halloween. I was like, trick-or-treaters. That's how trick-or-treating. Yeah, I'm someone's, sure. It, listen, yeah, if, if, it, if it's a really popular ghost down in that area, 
then on Halloween, there's got to be a whole bunch of people dressed as this Lyrona chick on Halloween, right? At least that's got to be a popular one. At least that one. Yeah. Yeah. That one seemed authentic though. Like the fear and maybe the fear was authentic and maybe it was a prank, but they did a good enough job where they, they legitimately scared him. I don't think this, you know, either he's a phenomenal actor or, Whatever it seemed authentic though that that's my debunk only his fear, Dave. Debunk will, his fear. I will. I'm gonna I'm gonna go find the POV video with the person pranking. I'm gonna watch them <laughs> laughing their ass off. This guy runs scared as hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, I just got very distracted. That's all right. A lot of good comments. Uh, there, there was also um, there was another f- uh, piece of footage, and you could hear the crying, and you see this woman dressed like the ghost in the middle of a field. And um, I don't know if you saw that one. It was definitely taken from like an apartment building, but it was another creepy one where this chick just looked lost. And people had speculated in the comments that it was probably just um, some older woman with disabilities that was actually lost. And someone probably should have gone down and helped her, but people are scared and they see that and they hear that. And then they get superstitious. Well, yeah, especially if you've grown up your whole life, being told that this this spirit's gonna come get you if you stay up late, like th- like they they're using it on these little things, right? It's not like you know, like if you do something really bad, then this ghost to come. It's like, yeah, you know, if you stay up like a minute late, you're getting snatched by this ghost. Oh, and she's probably gonna drown you. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'd probably be a little scared too if uh, mm-hmm. if that was the way I grew up. Well, if some of the if some of the legends are true, and if some of these stories that we even touched on in this episode are true, she's not only attacking children. I mean, obviously, children are the initial target. Like the uh, final story that you wrapped up the episode with, where she went in to go take this kid, and the father came in to save the day, and she ended up pointing at him and causing a heart attack, or he had a heart attack just because it was so scary. But that's a direct attack on someone that isn't a child. And then the other um, story that. I had touched on earlier. Yes, he was approached as a child, but then 10 years later, I think he was like 21 years old at the time when he was old enough to hold down a job and she approached him again, or, or maybe she was approaching a child in the area as well. So who knows, but nobody's safe. That's the point. Well, it seemed like it um, stalked that family too, right? That was the story where it had happened earlier in the family where like the brother or something disappeared of the grandfather. Am I mixing right. up the two stories? No, or right, no? right, yeah. It's yeah. It seems like it's for one. It's approaching mischievous youths, but uh-huh. it does seem like it attaches itself to families over the years and returns to them if the stories are true. So um, it's kind of like one of those hauntings where ghosts hunt people, not places. In certain cases, right? That was a good rhyme, uh, and it seems like with a few of these people, they encounter it multiple times in life throughout yeah. family members too. So it could stalk entire families. Uh, I do want to get to this question real quick before I forget about it. Uh, Kasher asks, where do you guys upload all this extra footage that you're talking about? Uh, it goes on to Patreon. So people that are subscribed on Patreon, but we upload it to YouTube as uh, private videos. So people that are subscribed to the Patreon have exclusive access to those videos. Yes. Uh, we have some good stuff on there too. So if you thinking about it, it helps us out. We try to remain as ad free as possible, as you've noticed. And one way to do that is through Patreon, but we'll talk more about 
couple of new Patreons, a couple of new Patreons, Soph and Hooper. Sophia actually unlocked the secret $6 tier, where not only do you get your name mentioned in the credits, you also get the honor of being killed off in my intro story. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <clears throat> I, I like that new tier. We uh, <laughs> need to so present It's like very, very uh, George R. R. Martin-ish. Yes. Yes. Um, so... I just want to go back to him being haunted at 21 years old. When you were doing your research, Dave, have you seen anything about them haunting people at an older age or does it have to involve children? So there's so many different variations of the story. So mm-hmm. like the, the original is that you, uh, you know, she's collecting her children or she's trying to collect children so that she can get into the afterlife, you know, pay the debt to the Siwakwadal, um God that the Aztecs worshipped and um, where she didn't have her two children, she has to go collect different children uh, or she took that upon herself to do that. Uh, that was the original, but it's gotten so much bigger well, from what I gather is that anybody can hear the crying. And once you hear the crying, you're cursed. And now that oh. is going to hunt you until it kills you, regardless of your age. Oh, like that. Mm. So we should not go hunt this ghost is what you're saying. We should probably leave this one alone. The Aztecs are scary. They're scary people. I I know that you said, like, we based this in Mexico City, and that's probably the origin. If we were, like, I know this is throwing you on the spot. If we were like, you want to go try to find this ghost, where would you say to go look for this ghost? So uh, it's actually funny you asked. So I was originally researching Albuquerque, New Mexico, for my mm-hmm. episode this week, and I'm looking for a bunch of different haunted locations. And one of the hauntings in that city was La Llorona. And I'm like, oh, cool. I could do La Llorona as like the main ghost in Albuquerque and then do other, other hauntings around it. And the more I looked into it, I'm like, this is fraudulent. Like this isn't like, I think I was talking to you the other day and I was like, that'd be like if somebody claimed they saw Dracula in Abington, Massachusetts. And I was like, <laughs> oh, let's do Dracula. <laughs> the legend of Dracula, Abington, Massachusetts. It just, doesn't what didn't feel right, so I'm like I got to figure out where this you know actual the story actually originated, and it ended up taking me to Tenochtitlan in uh, Mexico City, so that's where I changed the um, the city to. But to answer your question, uh, there are sightings in Al- Albuquerque, um, mm-hmm. San Antonio is another one. We, I was actually looking into uh, La Llorona when we were when we went down to San Antonio, but Jesse ended up doing that episode, so I shelved the idea. And um, El Paso, Texas. There's another one. Pretty much any of these um, um, southern, southwestern states are all, they all have La Llorona. Jessica, Jessica says, definitely would not recommend hunting her. Zero out of five, no stars. <laughs> You're not going to come hunt this with us, Jessica? That's, that's sad. You should come with us. We'll go find her. Noted. It'll, it'll well, go we, well. We hunt the ghosts so that you guys don't have to, and then we'll just tell you about it. Yeah, but, I mean, she can come with us. She's grown up with this legend. She can be like our ghost guide, right? That's, that's what so- I look it at. Sounds it sounds like you've got a real stranger and a fan vibe going right now. <laughs> <laughs> it, also, it also sounds like she has no interest in hunting this ghost, hence her comment, which said, <laughs> word for word, definitely would not recommend hunting her zero out of five, no stars. I think that's a 0% chance she wants to do that. <laughs> well... That's no fun. Clearly, Robin doesn't take no for an answer well. I'm sorry, Robin, a man. Anyways. uh, (laughs) um, So the other cities that 
um, she had haunted. Oh, you had mentioned those. Uh, New Orleans is definitely on the list for for future episodes. And obviously, we covered San Antonio, and we could do more on San Antonio because there was uh, a ton more locations that we didn't hit on. Um, yeah. But there's a, a bunch down there, and that that's interesting. I, I, like I said, I had never actually heard of this this ghost, and um, when I try to search for podcasts to listen to, the majority of them predictably were in Spanish. Spanish. So I did find a couple, um, but this is clearly the best one. So good job. When just like I mean, we might cover Thanks. it in the future, but when you were looking at Albuquerque, was there a haunted high school? Uh, there, I don't know. I didn't get too far into it. There's a haunted theater that was uh, that was that's kind of like the big one down there, and there's a haunted restaurant. Um, right. there's, there's a bunch of stuff. I'm I'm still gonna hit Albuquerque probably on my next episode. I start I start looking through all these towns, and I'm like, maybe I looked at that town at one point because I was trying just trying to find different areas to cover, and I'm like, I think I looked at Albuquerque once, but. Maybe not. I don't remember. It all it all starts to get jumbled, and then with all the submissions we're getting in the email as well, I kind of have abandoned plans here and there to get these other episodes out. To uh, you know, sort of like you did with the New York one and some of the other stuff we've done. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking to have us cover a town or a town that you're into, you can always email us and we'll look into it. We've gotten yeah. some really fascinating stuff in the email. Um, Somebody sent us a bunch of stuff on Atchison, Kansas last week. That yeah, that was a was a demon. Was a demon. Th- that stuff was awesome. That was a great email. So thank you for that. Yeah, we've also gotten a bunch of uh, good tweets. Obviously, a lot of them came from um, Jericho and everything that he's done for us. But there was uh, one. I think it was um, it was from Matt Matt Thomas. He said, uh, "Just listen to your Harry Houdini podcast. Would it be ironic that the medium that Houdini would communicate through?" Would be discrediting, uh, discredited, considering the work that Houdini did to discredit mediums. Just a thought that is kind of ironic. That um, is ironic. I saw that. That was a yeah. tweet. I don't want to yeah. sidetrack us by reading a bunch of tweets and reviews, but if, if you are on Twitter, hit us up uh, HT Ghost Stories. Um, and yeah, we'll, um, we'll get in contact us there. We'll get into reviews in a few minutes. And it was Demon King that sent us in those uh, that that email about Atchison, which we yeah, are. That was last last week. Um, he said, "Oh yeah, I know." I, uh, he said in the chat that he knew a bunch of locations, and uh, I was like, "Oh, shoot us an email at hometown ghost stories." And within twenty minutes, he sends us like the most detailed, <laughs> like with like pictures and, and descriptions the, and everything. I and will then, say we've gotten some really good emails. <laughs> this was the best email we've gotten in terms of like structure and just breaking everything down. That was a great read. So we are going to do the Sally house at some point. We we're going to stop talking about it every episode too, but when we go do it, that gives us some extra stuff to go cover while we're there. For sure. Yeah. Cause like, like we said, we've already done a Sally house episode. Technically we've done two of them. So the third one, we're going to have to come with something different and that definitely helps. Demon King has quickly come in here and just been like an absolute VIP coming here. He's got us up on multiple monitors and sending us detailed information on the locations and nice job, buddy. That's how you, that's how you come in strong. Yes, absolutely. So I know that like this particular episode is a one story episode because of how big the legend is and how detailed the story is. Was there any like little side Mexico City stuff that you wanted to hit on or were you just really focused on this? Nope. I just went straight. I just went in on La Llorona and it was um, it was so we'll never do like a part two La Llorona, but she'll make appearances in, in future episodes for sure, because there's so many different sightings of her in so many different cities. 
Yeah, and I didn't want to go searching up for my own stories on Mexico City just because I know we'll probably cover it again. And I didn't want to mention something that we're going to actually cover in detail later. So that's why I didn't look for anything too big or small to add to the discussion portion. Mm. Very well. If, if that makes sense. It does make sense. That's good. So uh, what are your thoughts on La Llorona? Do, um, do we think it's legitimate? How much of it are you are you buying into? I think a lot of it is legend and a lot of it is people hearing things that they believe are something they're not. I think I just, I think it's, it's, it's too big. So every, anytime somebody hears anything that might be a, a crying woman, it's La Llorona. Anytime they see a woman in a white dress somewhere, or they think they see a woman in a white dress somewhere, it's La Llorona. Uh, but with that said, there are a lot of stories that are really good and really scary. And there are a lot of videos out there that are hard to debunk. So um, on a scale of one to 10, I got this one at a five for, for uh, authenticity. I think it's a little higher for me just because of the amount of people that have backed it up. There was another story. Uh, let's go through our, our ratings, I guess I, I I'd, I'd ping it around an eight just because of uh, mm-hmm. how many people um, experience it. Rob? Yeah. I mean, I'm probably right around eight, nine myself. And to expand upon what you guys are saying a little bit, I, I believe that almost every legend is based in some sort of fact in reality. It just usually is for the most part. But we are also talking about a culture that goes back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of years. So the origin point is going to be tough to actually identify. And the other thing is we've always talking about just the flip side of this is we always talk about these women in white dress ghosts. So maybe some of these ghosts are that people are seeing are ghosts. They're just not technically La Llorona, and they're a different type of ghost. Is yeah. all I would have to add. I want to touch on this comment real quick? Jessica says my aunt lives in Mexico on the coast, and my mom is from there. And they have this thing called the Devil's Cave. It's covered by an iron gate and fenced off. That sounds awesome. Uh, she also says all the stories I heard were just to stay away from there, and there could be a portal. Where in Mexico do we? Can we be more specific? Because this sounds awesome. Not maybe not necessarily to visit. I mean, I would want to visit it. My wife would never let me, but I would definitely want to research it and look into the <laughs> to the story. It's on the coast. That's what she said. There are mul- there's at least <laughs> there's at least three miles. <laughs> two, <of coastline>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three, three, maybe even four. Dozens of linear miles. Oh, there it is. Wait, Mazeltov, Mexico. Mazeltan. Oh, I don't okay. know. Cash was correct. Cash was right. Actually. Yeah, look at that. I never trust cash with these I never comments. Trust them. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, that's it. So that that sounds pretty cool. Definitely have to look at that Absolutely. for sure. There, there was another story uh, that I wanted to touch on, and this kind of shows how many people believe in this story. So there was one where this guy was approaching uh, what he thought was a beautiful woman late at night, which already sounds like a creepy story. But he, uh, so it was like eleven o'clock at night, and he approaches her from behind and tries to get her attention. When he turns around, he sees like these black eyes of sadness or whatever. And he realizes like that he messed up and then he started to heal the hear the wailing. And um, so he runs away and runs into a, uh, like a restaurant that happened to be open at the time. And everyone in the restaurant had heard the wailing. So everyone had turned away from 
the windows. So they all had their backs to the window because every person at the restaurant knew what they were hearing and none of them wanted to look. And the, the waitress was like, come in, hide in the kitchen, stay down there, um, waited. And they gave her, uh, gave him uh, sugar water, which is just a detail to the story that kind of stuck out. And it was like, this whole community was so conditioned to experiencing this ghost and experiencing the sound that literally everybody in the restaurant was like, all right, don't look at her. Everyone turn around. She'll go away. And, um, and they took care of him when he came in. I don't know. It just goes to show how many people believe in it down there. That just gave me chills. Just thinking about the scene of like being in that restaurant and you just hear this wailing mm-hmm. and everyone just stops what they're doing to turn and face away from the door. Yeah, like, like it. Just imagine just being in that restaurant, not knowing what's happening, and seeing that happen. It just—it's terrifying. Like, like that's just like a terrifying thought. It really is. Yeah, the fact that everyone's on the same page. Sophia says that's what uh, people do when I'm outside too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, now, now we've established that you're dead, according to Dave's story. So it makes sense. It's all starting to add up. Yes. Anything else to touch on with this legend for now? I like it though. There's a movie on it. I'm going to definitely check out the movie. Um, You guys said it was, Uh, I didn't didn't really like the movie. It was all right. It's actually part of the conjuring universe. um, And it's directed by Michael Chavez, who has directed a couple other movies that I'm not crazy about, but um, yeah, Michael Chavez sucks. (laughs) <laughs> maybe we'll watch just, it and add that, add that to the uh, horror movie reviews oh mm-hmm. my god why do you guys want to torture me on those like we just had a good one where we watched two good movies and now you want to throw in some terrible ones just to anger right, me again let's, just, let's review Top Gun Cash said it was great I saw it it was awesome so let's just throw in Top Gun right, not a horror movie old one. All right. I saw the old one new one's awesome fantastic mm-hmm. highly recommend it but we can move on from that because that's nothing to do with those <laughs> The ghost of Goose returns. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not how it goes. Goosed. Uh, nice. Yeah. All right. That means we end the show now. So uh, let's go over <laughs> some reviews. Uh, but seriously, though, dude, that was uh, that was probably the creepiest um, episode that we've done, in my opinion. Like, I listened to that story while I was editing the audio for you, and I was like, damn, this is like a creepy story. And I had never heard it before, so that's why it was new to me and gave me goosebumps. So it was, uh, it was one of my favorite to cover. It was very well done. Oh, let me hit my sources real quick so I don't get sued. Um, so uh, just real quick, uh, my sources for this were Evil Archaeology, which is a book by Heather Lynn, PhD, History.com, and I already mentioned the other source, so we're good. Okay. Cool. Um, before we get to reviews, I wanted to touch on another tweet that we got. We got a tweet from another new follower that came from the Jericho stuff, and I can't find it at the moment, but he had mentioned that he used to ride the bus with the old – owner of the Busby Stoop. Oh yes. I saw covered, this. Yeah. We covered that in the, um, cursed possessions side content. Uh, we had talked about the cursed chair, which if you haven't heard that one, there's the episodes up on the podcast feed as well. Um, I don't remember particularly what he said in this tweet that I can't find, but it was, uh, it was pretty cool. He's like, he used to ride the bus with the owner and he had explained some of the stories about people that sat in the chair and people that died that were connected to that chair, which kind of made a lot of the stories that we touched on that we were a little shaky about, but it, it seems that, you know, there, there's the witness account and a lot of it seemed to check out. So pretty cool. And, um, thanks for the tweet and thanks for reaching out. And it's, it's interesting when we put out stories like this, how many people that are like directly connected with these stories reach out to us. It's pretty right. cool. Very yeah. cool. 
Super cool. Let's get into the reviews because we have quite a few of them this week. Uh, we didn't hit any last week. And one little uh, thing I want to mention about reviews. If you put them in on like a Sunday or Monday, we don't typically get them until like Wednesday for some reason. So we're not ignoring your review in the future. We just might be a week behind on it. Just a little caveat on that. Um, or if it's a week where we get quite a few, you know, we might save some for a different one. Right. So this one is from Birdie Brit. It's called it's a five star, perfectly spooky and entertaining. I randomly fell upon this ep- upon this podcast, and I'm so glad I did. The cast does a wonderful job of making it spooky with the scripted stories at the beginning and entertaining with a conversation afterwards. Looking forward to more episodes. Very nice. This one's from Linda. It says, I'm new to podcasts and love scary stories. I found this searching iTunes and have been binging on the weekends while working at a warehouse. The creators of this content are so interesting and listening uh, – are so interesting to listen to the introductions with scary music have me hooked and listening to the amount of places they travel to investigate is so cool. Love all the recommendations for movies, books and events uh, that have taken place. Must listen. Five-star review from Linda. Thank you very much, Linda. That was awesome. I got spookily entertaining from Josh. So I found the show after listening to an episode of talk is Jericho have been enjoying every episode since keep up the good work. Nice. And I will knock out the last two this first one is from one dash two colon semicolon uncall it's the weirdest username ever it's a bunch of numbers and and things but it sounds like it sounds like, like some dark web website <laughs> <laughs> you would know you creep uh the, the uh <laughs> this looks like one of those ones where he's like let me try this username nope okay let me try this one nope this one all right screw it, it just like smashes smash on the board a few times. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he came up with that's his username anyway he or she <clears throat> or she we don't know all right this and it says for the title knowledgeable and well-researched um I hate podcasts that have way too many commercials or the podcasts that don't know what they're talking about and end up rambling incorrectly. Hometown Ghost Stories is the first podcast that didn't disappoint. I'm currently listening on Apple Podcasts and literally can't put it down. Good job, guys. Well, again, we very much appreciate it. We do put a lot of work into researching. As far as the ads go, we will not put ads if it doesn't make sense. And another way to just do that, again, is to check out our Patreon and other than that, we have one more. And I'm going to guess that this one came from the Jericho stuff because the username is Poffomania, which Poffo is the surname of Randy Savage, the Macho Man. His real name was Randy Poffo. So I am going to read it with my Macho Man sunglasses on. And um, hair raising, yeah. I work nights in a warehouse and I listen to you guys and I'm very impressed with this show. I get the chills working nights and listening to this show. That's how good it is! I encourage everyone to give it a go. Yeah. I was like, well, I that's the a, review. A cross of Macho Man and uh, Jesse Jackson, but it went well. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I'm inspired. Yes. So there we go. I got our Macho Man review. And uh, other than that, we thank everybody that's tuned in. We've gotten a lot of new listeners the last two weeks. So. And they're all gone, thanks to Rob's review of the Macho Man. <laughs> Yikes. Anyways, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, this has been episode number 33 of Hometown Ghost Stories. If you like the content you want to support the show, consider swinging on over to Patreon. Uh, and if you haven't already, obviously, leave us a five-star review, and we will read it in some 
form or fashion, um, animated or not from Rob. Thank you, Rob, for that. Please never do that again. And um, <laughs> oh, I will. Oh, I will. These we'll aren't coming again. off ever again. I'm oh, I do. these tonight. We got called out for not um, not called out, but uh, for not previewing next week's episode. So, Rob, next week is your week. What are you covering? Oh, week? so next week I actually had to pivot because we had a situation arise and I am scrambling and we are doing St. Louis. So we are going to be covering uh, specifically the Lemp Mansion and some other places there. And we might have a different guest. Uh, It's a guy that I know that lives in St. Louis and he offered to go take some video for me at, (laughs) at a couple of the places. I sent him one of the locations and he said, dude, I am not going there because I like being alive. So that's, that's the message I got earlier today. So scary place or dangerous neighborhood. Um, it's not a neighborhood, so it's just a scary place. It's just a scary place. So yes, yes, indeed. Um, and then the following week, I'm not entirely sure yet. Boss around a couple of ideas. What do we have for side content coming up this week? So this week we have the car of James Dean for Haunted Possessions. Oh, yes. Yes, we do. That's a fun one. Hmm. Very cool. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening. And uh, I think that'll pretty much do it, right? That's going to do it. That'll do it. All right. We'll catch you next week. See you. Peace.